Aloha guys, and welcome back to the second episode of Social Media, the Modern Indigenous Voice. Alright guys, welcome back to the podcast. For those of you listening for the very first time, my name is Courtney Kiamzan, and with this podcast, I'll be sharing the conversations I had with individuals that are great examples of how social media has been able to allow Indigenous people to gain global attention and recognition on some of the things that they have dealt with, have been able to achieve and accomplish throughout their Native communities, and just share their culture with others. In my last podcast, I spoke with Ku'ule Pura Kiavikane, also known by her Instagram handle, at molly.ola. She shared with me not only the type of impact that she's been able to make on social media by creating and promoting Hawaiian content, but also some of the change she has been able to see in the growth of indigenous presence on social media. All of that was from the perspective of an individual's use of social media. In this podcast, I wanted to share the journey of an organization's utilization of social media to perpetuate Hawaiian culture. I'll be sharing the conversation I had with Kiola Nakanishi, the director of Mana Maoli, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to educate the children of Hawaii through culture-based learning. Many people know them for these awesome music videos that they create that highlight the places throughout Hawaii, the talent of local musicians, and the students from the charter schools throughout some of the islands that they support. You'll learn more about the great work that they do throughout the episode. But for now, I'll let Kiola introduce himself and share a bit about Mana Maoli. Uh, aloha, this is Kiola Nakanishi I'm from Nanakuli. My kupuna come from Kohala, Japan, uh, Guam, uh, Europe, and I'm the director here at Mana Maoli. Um, so a little bit about Mana Maoli. We started in 1999 with monthly events and then weekly classes teaching uh, Olelo Hawaii or Hawaiian language and culture through hands-on activities and games and crafts and stuff like that. Then we proceeded for planning as well as implementation of starting Halau Kumana Public Charter School, uh, the first Oahu Charter School. And among that initial first alliance of Hawaiian culture-based, culture, community, and environment-based charter schools. So that was our focus the first decade. But while we opened our doors in 2001, by 2002, we already had a sailing canoe program going as well called Kanihunamoku Voyaging Academy, which we ran for a dozen years before they, we formed their own nonprofit. And so the sailing canoe is with them now. All throughout that time, we had music going beyond just our school, Halau Kumana, um, doing artist school visits, CDs, and concerts to raise awareness and support for the Hawaiian charter schools. Um, and then our music program started evolving to include after-school classes that would teach ABCs through music, academics, business, and culture. And um, basically, from those after-school classes, which was 2010, and related curriculum, back then, Kainani Kahaneale developed the first 32 lessons of teaching academics, business, by that we mean college and career readiness, and culture, meaning Hawaiian language, culture, and values. Um, curriculum that would teach those ABCs through music. Uh, we had Wayne on Natural Vibes and Kelly among our first teachers of that. Then by 2013, we got the ANA grant that coupled with money saved across 10 years of fundraising, we were, we were able to design and build a solar powered mobile studio 
yeah. with four in one capabilities, meaning uh, both live in studio and audio and video of each. Uh, we're also able to extend our year long classes to eight schools officially on paper that quickly grew to 12. And now fast forward to now, I think we're at 16 schools. We have over 70 year long classes. Um, Across all the islands or just uh, Oahu and Kauai. Oh. But Big Island's been waiting in the wings for some years now, the Hawaiian Charter School's on that island. Okay. So we're actually, just last night, the funding announcement for ANA came out, and we're going to try and write in the Big Island School's under there finally after all these years. Awesome. So um, our services include the year-long classes, so that's the over 70 classes across 16 schools and two islands. Besides the year-long classes, we do mobile studio visits, we do artist school visits with small group workshops, and school-wide assemblies, but it's like a one-day thing. And then we have mentorships from just a day or two long to two weeks, four weeks, to a semester, to a year long. And then we have those videos we do, we call that collaborative music videos. And then we have, besides on-campus mentorships, we have off-campus internships, where as we do our fee-for-service, where we offer audio or video studio products, or live entertainment, sound, and audio or video recording at events. As we offer these services at a fee to sustain our programs, uh, with all net profits after paying out the engineers and videographers and musicians involved, um, the 100% the of net proceeds go to our programs, but it's also part of our program in that students are now interning in a real world setting. So we have interns at the high school and college level like yourself, mm -hmm who are doing a more substantial amount of hours and they might be coming to the office. But then we also have these more short-term off-campus internships that are kind of like, as we're doing various gigs. Yeah, yeah, so how did you guys find your way into social media? I mean, as like a nonprofit, it's kind of a given nowadays. You gotta have some yeah. kind of online presence. Yeah. So what was kind of your guys' um, yeah. transition into that? Okay, so my, my first impression of social media was not necessarily a good one. I can't say it was a super bad one, but a mixed bag at best mm -hmm. and a little bit more towards the negative. And being that I wasn't and I'm still not a user personally and socially, mm -hmm. the social side of social media, yeah. um, as a director of a nonprofit, I was strongly encouraged, if not coerced, into social media as a way to ho'olaha, you know, ho'olaha meaning to spread the word about things. And so I first viewed social media as strictly a means to let people know about fundraisers, job openings, and opportunities for youth to sign up with our programs. Um, then, and, and, and back then, you know, I was a little bit, a lot turned off. I was very turned off by this notion of likes and loves mm -hmm. and Calm. like, we're not here to be popular. We're here to serve our youth and mm -hmm. to make a difference in our youth, their families, their communities. Okay, so then over time, as my education and awareness and thus view on social media changed, but also as social media itself changed to really, really evolve. Like I thought when we had we had 5,000 friends and then we had to go get a like page because you can't get more than 5,000 friends mm. on a personal page. So we got that. And I thought, okay, we got 5,000 friends here. We got another um, 5,000 on the like page. 
and there's only a 1,000 overlap. So every time we send a post, I'm thinking 9,000 people are getting that post. Only to learn that on average, less than 2% of your followers get any given post. The more viral or engaging it is, it'll be a little bit higher. And the more it's a job opportunity or a program-related post or a fundraiser-related post, it'll be even less mm -hmm. because Facebook algorithms sense that you have an agenda, a call to action, and they're going to oppress it and so that you pay to boost the post so that a higher percentage of your followers can see it. Mm -hmm. So I felt that was pretty wicked and um, deceitful yeah. of Facebook to show us that we have X amount of followers, but not reveal that less than 2% of them are actually getting the memo. So then I learned that if you, the more frequently and regularly you post, if you're posting multiple times daily, now a higher percentage of Facebook rewards you in that way and a higher percentage of your followers get your posts. And so we started a strategy of what we call shareables. Okay, so we started two things, creating content and shareables. So that instead of just job opportunities, fundraisers, and program opportunities, which are posts that get heavily oppressed, when we create our own content, it's more engaging to your average user. Mm -hmm. And then when we find shareables that are aligned with our values, our beliefs, our mission, our vision, and our programs, that also increases how many of our followers um, have our posts show up on their feed. And so we found that strategy to be successful. And as we started creating content and identifying shareables that might be youth with musical talent, it might be Hawaiian culture related and Hawaiian language related, or so it may be posts that are more clearly tied to what our programs are about, serving youth in a culture-based way through music and multimedia. And so as we started doing that, but also creating our own content, especially our CMVs, which is our acronym for collaborative music videos. Yeah. So through our collaboration with internationally renowned Playing for Change, we created these videos that basically um, saw, exp we experienced great spikes in our engagement and in our followers with each of these videos. So what one another sh effective strategy we learned was cross-posting where our, instead of limiting to our networks, the networks of our allies, and there's a tool that unfortunately is not widely advertised, uh, there's not a lot of transparency on Facebook. That tool was another effective strategy. Uh, for example, I'll give you a negative and a positive. Our first video, Hawaii Aloha. Hawaiian Airlines put our logo, uh, their logo at the bottom right corner of the video. They didn't tag us. They didn't use any of our messaging in our captioning. And they quickly racked two and a half million views with thousands of people in tears thanking them for producing this video. Um, Hawaii News Now did tag us, but they also did a direct upload instead of a share as requested. So that our key messaging and it more clearly and strongly drives to our page. Yeah, your page can. And they also close. racked over 2 million views. So of over 7 million views of Hawaii Aloha, only 100 or 200,000 was going to our page. Okay, so that's a negative example. Second video, Island Style OAVA, we learned our lesson. Uh, we got some consulting and advice from 808 Viral. Um, which is a, a large 
page that gets higher engagement than pages that are even larger than them. So they have a very high engagement rate. So successful, in other words. And instead of sharing these videos online and trusting confidentiality, we would only meet with these large media pages in person and we offered them share our cross posts and they all pick cross posts because on their page it appears like a direct upload and they get everyone else's views versus a share gets a lot less traction, 10 times less traction. And so small to large pages, we had 45 partners cross post our video and the 45 pages, one drew only 100 views and change, one drew almost a million views. All 45 pages are showing 3.8 million views. Okay, and then across our four CMVs so far, so Hawaii Aloha, Island Star VA, Hawaii 78, and Jam from Mauna Kea, which is a little bit of a hybrid. And those four videos combined, um, we had interns actually helping us um, track different partners across different platforms, primarily Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We didn't even look anywhere else. But just across those three platforms, and key partners like the larger artists and the media we did a tally and those four videos are now over 26 million views as of last month so i guess we can talk a little bit more about the cmvs okay so you guys created those with more of the intention to promote you know the kids in the media and all your charges mm. collaborating with the artists uh many purposes for these videos number one the process itself is vivi is valuable nice. Um, the students learning the song, the meaning, the history, and the culture behind the song, um, what it takes to sing and perform well, but also to film, to be in front of the camera, to be behind the camera, to be behind the soundboard. So there's internships uh, as performer, engineer, and video. So the process is one thing. Then the product itself the agenda there is multiple agenda as well. One is uh, increasing awareness and support of our schools, our artists who are doing good works, and our nonprofit. And by awareness and support, I'm meaning, you know, hey, we're a culture community and environment-based charter schools and a nonprofit, that's the same. Um, but awareness, like, did you know Hawaii Aloha which is the most well-known Hawaiian song sung typically at the end of small to large gatherings across Hawaii and even with Hawaiian transplants on the mainland that there's as much of them as they are here in Hawaii, right? There's you know, as much Hawaiians living outside of Hawaii as in Hawaii, if not more. Mm -hmm. And so on one hand, it's the most well-known Hawaiian song. If you only know one to your name, it's that one. But vast, vast majority, I'm going to say before our video, 99% of people either did not even know there was a second and third verse. And the few who did, did not know the lyrics. Mm -hmm. And the few who did know the lyrics, don't know the meaning. So there's an education and awareness of the song itself, not just of the schools and the nonprofits and the artists involved. And then, of course... For those who are asking for a copy of the video, we give them that for a donation of any amount. Supposedly to feed our programs, but in reality, we're not even breaking even with the cost of making these videos. So it's the non-financial value and the deferred financial value over time as they become a, hopefully a recurring donor. Mm -hmm. Or as somebody way down the line sees the video and then they see another of our videos and they 
follow us and after about 10 posts that they liked, uh, they actually see one of our fundraising posts and they attend. Mm. So it's that deferred and indirect um, ripple effect kind of thing that at end of morale and confidence of the students when their parents are bragging about them yeah. or their extended family at gatherings be like, I've seen you on the video. And, and so it's that those kind of non-financial values like comments of people going how this video uh, was the trigger for them to move back home or to learn Hawaiian language or to at least learn the song in full, you know? So that's the agenda of these videos, but I would say social media in general as well. And so with social media in general, while these videos, which are very extensive in time, money, energy, and favors, um, yield the most traction, um, our day-to-day -day videos are, 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 are simpler, less time and money consuming videos that we produce, like just shots of what's going on in the classroom or of one of our artists and shareables, like I mentioned earlier, from allies or even from people around the world that we don't even know, but we, we appreciate their content. I think these things have helped serve those agendas of raising awareness and support, not just for us and our allies, but for things that we believe in. Um, Mauna Kea is one of those examples where we decided to hit them with music. And what we did is we were constantly, multiple times a day in posts, tagging and driving people to Mauna Kea focused pages. Mm -hmm. But the content on our page was also very Mauna Kea heavy. Oftentimes 50 to 90% of our content on any given week was Mauna Kea related um, at its peak. But by hitting them with music, we did this jam for hashtag jam for Mauna Kea project. And what we did was we put out, uh, there was a couple phases. So phase one was we put out a promo slash practice video of a lot of well-known musicians and Mauna Kea leaders at Mauna Kea Frontline singing a medley of just the choruses of two songs to be more feasible, especially for non-Hawaiian speakers to learn. Mm -hmm. And we said, hey, everybody, you know, share this video and we invite you all to learn one or both of these courses. There's the English course, the Hawaiian course of Hawaii law and then Kuha'aheo course in Hawaiian. So two Hawaiian and one English course, course. Learn one or all of them and pre-recorded or live. Everybody on August 11th at 11 a.m. and Ahanaho at 11, 11 a.m. Everybody post in support of Mauna Kea. Use this hashtag, tag us and tag these pages. And it's all the Mauna Kea pages. Mm -hmm. Protect Mauna Kea, Pu'ulu Hulu, Kakohaleakala, Kanaokana and OAV TV. And we had no idea what to expect. We just figured we'd put it out there. We have a decent amount of followers, but we're nothing like a Jason Momoa or a Hawaii News Now or we're, or even an 808 Viral. We're, we're nowhere near that size. I would say versus an individual, we're large, but versus various social media influencers, we're small to medium. And it was amazing, partially because the world was already watching Mauna Kea and because not just Mauna Maoli was putting it out there, but we got um, not Hawaii News Now, not Hawaiian Airlines, not anybody who is either pro TMT mm -hmm. or just 
avoid being political at all costs. But basically, with a network of allies spreading that same call to action, just the promo practice video got like near half a million views. I think 350,000 views. So out of uh, the views, how many people um, submitted videos? Were so, you able to track that? Yes and no, um, to some degree. So basically, lots of views of the practice promo video. But what we did was we said, in addition to learning the chorus and posting that on this day at this time, was any song you'd like to dedicate to the Mauna. And so we had a whole bunch of those as well. And again, use the Jam for Mauna Kea hashtag. There are a number who did not use the hashtag, but they did it. We'll never know the real number, but we know we got thousands of Jam for Mauna Kea hashtags each on Facebook and Instagram. And we know that there are people who did it on platforms outside of Facebook and Instagram, like YouTube and other social media yeah. platforms. After talking about the preparation of the Jam for Mauna Kea project, Kiola shared with me a little bit about how the day that they did go live and had their global jam session all over social media didn't quite go the way that they wanted it to. We had thousands gathered on August 10th and 11th, but especially August 11th. We did uh, 11 a.m. a pre-recorded video for everyone to, because we had invited everyone either pre-record to this promo video we put out in July or tune in at 11 a.m. on August and just jam and sing along, go live. On one device, you're, you're tuned in, and on the other device, you're going live. Mm. And that was phase two, where on August 11th at 11 a.m., and then we actually went live at 11, 11 a.m. with Jason Momoa, um, Brother Nolan, and Raya Tia and others arriving between our Saturday pre-record that went at 11 and going live at 11, 11. And we further dragged out that time by after playing their medley, we did another five songs. And so that increased the airtime of 50 something pages cross posting. Now during that time, it was a nightmare in that our human nature, it's just telling our human nature, we'd ask everybody there, supposedly there's to support the Mauna. We're cross posting 50 something pages. Nako to Green, Common Kings, mm -hmm. Kanai Okana, OAV TV, you know, all the Mauna Kea pages, Mauna Mali, etc. And if you guys are using the bandwidth, if you guys are going live, you're going to shut us down. So instead, we're asking everybody here to put your, your phones in airplane mode. Mm -hmm. No filming. We do ask that once we're done going live, now you go share it. But Momoa's in the house. Oh, no. People not listening are... are, are live stream kept dropping and on top of that even when it was on all the comments are saying can we see yeah like it's just a stuck image oh. and then a couple seconds later it's another stuck image but they're hearing the audio and mm -hmm. so total nightmare and somehow we still got hundreds of thousands of views despite the technical difficulties with everything working out and the jam for mauna Kea session actually getting a decent amount of exposure they were beginning to see the global participation that social media was able to bring them through the use of a hashtag. Thousands of people did use that hashtag. And so we started posting multiple posts a day for weeks, if not months, of here's Frontline Ihumatao and Aotearoa, who did a Maori version where they honored the Hawaiian lyrics, they did some Maori inserts. Yeah. Here's Indigenous tribe in Taiwan. Here's... Um, we had dozens of countries, nearly every state in the U.S., and dozens of ahupoa across every Hawaiian island because we even filmed on Ko'olawe. Mm -hmm. We got the Niihau school to represent. 
Um, so pretty much every island and multiple ahupua'a um, across multiple islands that participated. So we highlighted their submissions since those tuning in at 11 o'clock, they're, they're looking at one of our partner pages. They're only seeing the Mauna Kea scene and themselves going live. Mm -hmm. So now across the weeks, if not months, we started sharing various people who participated that day, that hour, or an hour late, or a day late, or whatever, we started sharing it. And those posts were getting a lot of traction as well. Okay, and then finally, the last phase was producing another CMV, another one of those videos where by the end of the video, if you watch the outtakes as well, we featured thousands of kia'i, of protectors, across well over 100 uh, locations, different countries, states, and ahupua'a. And these kia'i or, or supporters from around the world were featured on the choruses of this mm -hmm. two-song medley. And then on the verses, we featured artists, the composer, a couple underground, some youth, and a handful of high-profile artists to help with the reach. Mm -hmm. And that video, Jason Momoa alone sharing it, got over a million views. Um, the rest of us combined, probably maybe another, I don't know where it's at. It's probably over a million by now. I don't know. I have no idea. But... You know, so you see how we took one event and we actually created a lot of social media value out of that one massive event. That one jam from Mauna Kea, you can see how I walked you through months of, of content. Yeah. Months of work, but months and probably over a hundred posts, including a mega, a couple mega posts, meaning cross posts and like videos that are going to get a lot of traction, you know. Social media, I see it as a tool or a weapon for good or evil or now, for... Nowadays, it's, yeah. it's transformed from this thing such as like, like how you mentioned before, the likes, you know, yeah. just sending photos yeah. from family and friends to actually being a resource for like education material. Now... I, I w I'm going to guess, I don't have research behind this, maybe yeah. you do, that most people get their news from social media now, not the TV, mm -hmm. not the radio. And mass media has really put a lot, focus a lot of their time and money into social media to jump on that bandwagon because of their falling numbers on mass media and the way they're able to even stabilize that drop, if not increase their numbers here in mass media is through their social media outlets. Mm -hmm. And like Hawaii News Now is an example I gave earlier, they have a very large social media yeah. page. I'm guessing they're over a million by now because... Back when I was paying attention, they were at 700,000 and that was a couple years ago. Okay. So um, totally, I think social media, when I was starting to say a weapon or tool for good or evil, or, or how I would say this for Pono or Heva, try and use it as a weapon and tool for Pono to combat those who are using it for Heva. And so a lot of scamming goes on, a lot of misinformation. And that's where I think knowing the strategies, knowing the ever-changing algorithms, finding and networking with allies of the same like, finding content from those allies and people you don't even know out there in the world, sharing that content to share their message, but also to increase the frequency and reach of your followers actually getting your posts. All of that is kind of like the strategy, so to speak. You know, recently I've seen more of like these indigenous, you know, groups creating social media pages and yeah. spreading awareness for all of these different things in the past mm -hmm. few years. But beforehand, 
you know, you didn't really see like Pacific Islander groups yeah. on social yeah. media. Yeah, we definitely realized there was that kind of void of um, indigenous and Hawaiian cultural presence, especially in the way of products. Mm. And I was going to say learning educational, informational products, but um, in this ADD world, (laughs) I think there's a place for edutainment. Education through entertainment. In other words... In an ideal world, people don't have ADD. They can listen to a 10-minute video just schooling them hard on hard information mm-hmm. and opinions grounded and based on those that facts, that research. Because uh, there's a place for opinions and sentiments. Um, that drives the world, really, uh, not facts. You know, It's what you do with those facts based on how you feel about them you know, and and what you consider to be facts, correct or not, perceived or actual. And so the whole idea of edutainment is that without losing focus of the primary aim or incentive or objective of education, awareness, and support for action towards those things, um, if you do it in an entertaining way, you're going to reach more people, but not just the quantity of people you reach, but the depth and quality of the impact. So the more engaging or entertaining it is, the more likely they are to not just like the post, but share it. Not just share the post, but like your page. Not just like your page, but click see first so that you actually get more posts. Not just see the post, but actually volunteer or donate or encourage your friends to enroll their students in our classes and so that quality and depth of impact is where it at, where it's at. And the only reason the breadth or the numbers of reach matter is to increase how many of that, how many we have with that depth of impact. You know, for every X number of views, you're going to get somebody who actually goes deeper and likes your page. For X number of likes, you're going to get somebody who actually... Um, donates or volunteers and so it's a numbers game because it's a very small percentage each step of the way of engagement of awareness engagement and support through action not just sharing a post because of that, those grim numbers and percentages the wider your base at the beginning as you go through those filters then the more Chance. of that truly desired outcome you get of donors, volunteers, um, people with large pages spreading the word. Well, for some of them, it had to have go had to go viral for it to even show up on their feed, mm-hmm. or to have someone they know pass it on. Just like I asked Kuule in the first podcast, I also asked Kiolo what he thought about using social media um, as a way to share the Hawaiian culture with outsiders. Here's what he thought. My perspective on sharing Hawaiian culture with outsiders is that it's a it's a tricky balance. It's important, and there's a pono way to do it, and there's ways that are not so pono. Um, but also, what's tricky is that okay, okay. So there's kapu and no, and um, 
if it's kapu, meaning it's not appropriate to share. And noah, it is. It's, it's open, it's free to share. Now, even when you share something that is noah, and the way you go about it is in a pono fashion, um, what people do with it from there, we can say it's not a kuleana, and technically, legally, and officially, it's not. What they do with it, yeah, if they... Um, but there's absolutely co-option and abuse of culture with non-Hawaiians and frankly, even some Hawaiians. Um, it seems a little less appalling when it's a Hawaiian, but I don't know if it makes it any more pono. Um, but, you know... And that is true because yeah. you're with social media you're giving 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 sharing as much as you want yeah. but there is the a huge percentage of our followers are probably non-Hawaiian mm -hmm. oh really uh, and not yeah I think in our earlier years when we only had a few thousand maybe they were primarily Hawaiian or strong allies to the Hawaiian education and culture um like a non-Hawaiian parent, but their kid is Hawaiian, you know? Mm. Or just partners who are pro-environment like we are. Um, like Kokua Hawaii Foundation, you know, led by mostly non-Hawaiians, but we're on the same page, mm. you know? But as we grew with all of these viral videos, you start getting followers from all over the world of all kinds of different races, places, and political views. And so while they may not have been our targeted audience, they became our audience. And so do we adjust our content to them? It varies, yes and no. Sometimes these posts, we totally have our own beneficiaries in mind. But other posts, we do have a hunch that this shareable will resonate with our larger group of followers in hopes that we stay on their feed, in hopes that they take the call to action when it comes. And so there's a, there's a mix. Um, of tailoring to those followers. So when it back to that topic of sharing your culture with outsiders, um, you know what we share and how we do it, we feel we got a pretty good handle on that. We're not sharing our culture in an inappropriate way by our own opinion and probably by the opinion of many others would agree. Mm -hmm. What's tricky is what people do with it once it's out there. Yeah. And how much is it our kuleana and how feasible is it in our limited time, money, energy, and resources to find that and to address that in a way that is not, that aims to not be antagonistic, negative, or confrontational, but yet set them in their place. To wrap up our conversation, I asked Keola to share Manomali's plans for the future in terms of social media as well as a nonprofit overall. Yes, having more content is would be great. I would feel better about having more of a, uh, creating our own content, but that comes with a lot of, it, there's a time and money cost to that. So to the degree feasible, because when new money comes, our priority is programs, not social media. Despite me now seeing the great value as a weapon or tool for good or evil, in the end, we're, we're not a social media page first. Mm -hmm. We're a nonprofit serving youth through culture-based, culture and place-based education first. And so everything we do on social media is towards that, not the other way around. And so um, more followers, certainly that's a goal. More content, that's a goal. 
but those are means to a larger ends. The increased followers, the higher engagement, uh, having more content, all of that is towards a larger aim of having more impact. How do we increase the percentage that convert to actual support? Mm -hmm. Volunteer, enroll your student. So that's helping us meet our mission. Yeah, they're not giving us money, they're not giving us time, but by uh, trusting us to serve their keiki, that's mission driven. Um, a donation, of course. Support for legislation that would help us or the Mauna or the schools. Mm -hmm. um, so how to convert our traction on social media into actual impact and support. And that's the, the ongoing million dollar question, so to speak. And so I think the larger goal of which the multi-prong approach includes increasing content, increasing followers, having more engaging content, more cross-post network partners, all of that. Mm -hmm. But the, the ultimate ends to those sub-goals, so to speak, is, is really having impact and awareness and support, I should say. So the education or edutainment aspect, but then also the actual hard support aspect and how do we have our social media strategies increase our conversion rates to those things. Because in turn, if you do better on social media, that's more support for you guys. Right. And then with more support, you know, maybe you guys can create more content and back and forth yeah. to even post more yeah. on social media. So in a nutshell, the goal is for our social media to increase education and awareness of not just Manamauli and its partners and our programs, but of things that we believe in and support like Mauna Kea, like social distancing in a time of pandemic, mm -hmm. and so on. After speaking with Keola, I learned a lot about the strategy involved in maintaining audience engagement in order to ensure your content is reaching as much of your following as possible. We spoke a lot about the journey that Mana Mauli had taken with social media and the adaptations that they had to go through as they learned more about how the different social platforms worked. Although Keola is not a personal user of social media, he knew of the importance and opportunities that creating social media accounts for Monomali would bring to the nonprofit organization. Their presence on social media allows them to attract more donors and funders to support their educational programs, and the production of their projects, like the CMVs and the Jam for Mauna Kea videos, help to attract more people to learn about them and gain even more support. I want to mahalo Keola for taking the time to talk story with me that day. And please do go check out Mana Maoli on all their social media platforms. On Instagram, you can find them at Mana underscore Maoli. On Facebook, you can just search up Mana Maoli. They have a Facebook page there. And then on YouTube, they have a channel yet again under Mana Maoli. Alright guys, that is it for the second podcast of Social Media, The Modern Indigenous Voice. Look out for the next one where I talk about the conversation I had with the creator of an Instagram account that perpetuates the Hawaiian culture by providing daily lessons on Olelo Hawaii. And I'll reflect on what I've learned throughout this whole process of making these podcasts and learning about social media's impact for the Indigenous Voice. Aoi ho!